0: In just two days, the South Carolina Gamecocks will be facing off against the number one-ranked Georgia Bulldogs in Williams-Brice. So to get a better idea of what we're going to be facing on Saturday, I decided to have a talk with someone who knows the Georgia Bulldogs quite well. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South
1: Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
0: every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast—your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily, and we've officially reached the third edition. of of Behind Enemy Lines for the 2022 football season. So for today's show, I'm going to be talking with Brooks Austin of Dogs Daily FN, who is going to be talking about Georgia's football team, sort of how Kirby Smart has elevated the program, what we could expect from Georgia's defense, and what makes Stetson Bennett a really good player quarterback we're gonna be talking about all of that and more in our interview on today's show so without further ado let's go on ahead and go right to the interview with brooks austin all righty game nation i am pleased to be joined by brooks austin who is the lead editor for dogs daily fn on si.com and is also a recruiting analyst for si all american brooks i really appreciate you coming on the show today to talk some georgia bulldogs no doubt how are you doing today andrew I'm doing good, man. Just looking forward to this big matchup between South Carolina and Georgia that is taking place this upcoming Saturday. Obviously, uh, a border battle, so to speak, between the Bulldogs and the Gamecocks. And um, to get started on the Georgia Bulldogs, I want to ask you about Kirby Smart real quick, because... Kirby obviously was hired in 2016 after y'all had fired Mark Rick, despite the fact that Mark Rick had sustained a lot of success there in Athens. But since Kirby's been hired at Georgia, y'all have made it to the SEC championship game four times with an SEC title. You've made to the college football playoff two times, including a national title win, of course, this past season. So it seems like Kirby's smart has somehow elevated Georgia's football program to even higher levels since he's gotten there. How do you think he's done that? So I've
1: I've said it this way, and I don't know how else to put it. Okay, under Mark Rigg, and the the famous line is that Kirby took over a top 10 program that was recruiting at a top 10 level, right? So what kind of job is that? Like, it wasn't really that hard of a job. Well, I'll tell you this much. The difference between recruiting at a top 10 level, which is, yeah, what they were doing under Mark Rigg and recruiting at a top 3 level, which is what they now do under Kirby Smart. Well, that's the difference between Michigan State and Michigan's roster and what Georgia's got right now. And I think we know how that worked out in the Orange Bowl, right? Those two teams, Michigan Jim Harbaugh, great like solid recruiter. Has recruited at a top 10 level since he's been at Michigan. You saw what the difference was in those two rosters. So oh, yeah. that's the difference. That's how sustained success looks like in the SEC, right? It's You know, you lose eight guys on the defensive front or literally the defensive front and one safety. So seven guys on the defensive front. You lose Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, Devontae White, and the three linebackers, right? All those guys gone. And then you look up and they've given up zero touchdowns through two games and what, six total points, three total points, right? Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that's how it happens, right? The 105 stars that Coach Beamer referenced, <laughs> there's there's right. 92 of them left on the defense, it feels like.
0: Right, yeah. And let's go ahead and get into Georgia's defense real quick because like you mentioned, obviously, Georgia's defense is very stout year in and year out. And you guys have always had a lot of talent in that front seven. But um, there is a stat the other day that did surprise me a little bit. Through the first two games of the season, Georgia has only registered one sack against the Oregon Ducks, and I believe the Sanford Bulldogs, ironically enough. Yeah, so I know it's very early in the season, and of course, the defense, as they get more time to gel, you know, you'll probably see that number ratchet up a little bit, but is this something that Georgia fans are concerned about, and is this something that you could maybe see somehow continuing throughout the season?
1: Yeah, no, I don't think it's gonna be a problem, and here's why. I. Andrew, I I do my, like most of what I do is film oriented. We watch a bunch of film over here on YouTube, and I watch what Sanford and Oregon not only chose to do, but kind of had to do, which is design a game plan in which they reinvented like how you take quarterback drops. Like most people take a an abbreviated three step drop out of shotgun. I watched Sanford and Oregon take a step and a half and get the ball out of their hands for four quarters. Like it was very very clear that against. Georgia, you know, Oregon's game plan was we're going to throw everything outside and we're going to get the ball out of Bo Nick's hands as soon as possible. And anytime we're not doing that, it's going to be a play, like a, a a slip kind of vertical action play off of a screen look, right? We're going to fake the screen that we've been throwing all game to get the ball out of his hands. And we're going to try to go vertical. First time they did that, Chris Smith picked the ball off. So, like, that was the game plan from Oregon. The game plan from, Survi- from Sanford was survive. Like, get out of there. And, and, and it was very, very clear that they were just pitching the ball and and getting the ball out to the space as well and doing a bunch of screen work. Here's the thing. South Carolina don't do that crap. South Carolina is a screen or, like, their screen football team based off the advanced analytics. So they will throw balls at or behind the line of scrimmage, a lot of them. And then the other half of the football game, the other half of the pass attempts, is Spencer Rattler doing the, the Rattler thing and then throwing it 45 yards down the field. That's what they do. They are a vertical passing attack after they are an underneath passing attack while they try to figure out whether or not they can run the football that day. That's what South Carolina has been through two weeks. So I'm fascinated to see what's about to happen on Saturday because I think if South Carolina tries to hold the ball, Spencer Rattler is going to get crumbled, okay, because you also haven't pass protected very well through two football games. So if you're a South Carolina fan and you're box score scout in Georgia, on the sack numbers and thinking, Hey, maybe they can't get after the quarterback. No, nah, they can get after the quarterback. Um, and they're probably going to do so on Saturday if, cause like, that's what Sakana does. That's what Beamer likes. That's what they are going to do. In my opinion, they like to do, to, to do all the advanced, like screen stuff, do all the fun stuff with uh Jaheim bell. Right. And then they're going to try to take the top off. I mean, if you take seven attempts of 35 yards plus against Arkansas, a team that, constantly plays five and six db shells you're gonna throw the ball deep against anybody or try to i just don't know if it's a great game plan saturday
0: honestly Right, and I completely uh, understand where you're coming from there. Yeah, with Georgia and how much talent that they have in that front seven, you always have to try to be able to scheme around what an opponent's strengths are. And obviously, with what Georgia's got, I can see how Oregon and Sanford would have had to maybe change up their game plan a little bit in order to get around just that. Hey Game Cognition, I hope that you've been enjoying my interview with Brooks Austin so far on today's show. But before we can continue the interview, I have a quick message to pass along from our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check out all of your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games, along with reviews and news of every league, including the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, NBA. NHL, combat sports, golf, and yes, even eSports as well. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering needs, including live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered in all facets. So be sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn the latest about the trends and action, because BetOnline is where the game starts. And now, back to the interview. Welcome back to segment two of today's Behind Enemy Lines edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Once again, I'm here talking with Brooks Austin of Dogs Daily FN and getting back to the defense real quick to sort of cap that off. Um, Obviously, again, you guys have had a lot of talent in that front seven for many years now. You had 10 total defensive players who were drafted just in this past year's draft. Now, the defense that y'all have this year is, again, supposed to be pretty good. And the one name that I've heard consistently is Jalen Carter. But the thing is, Brooks, that's the only name that I consistently hear. So as someone who covers the Georgia Bulldogs daily, I want to ask you, who are some other names that Gamecock fans need to know from this Georgia defense?
1: Malachi Starks, Michael Williams are two fresh, true freshmen. They're going to flash Saturday. You're going to be like, "Damn, that guy's how old?" I got to see him. How many more times? So those two guys, 24 and 13, watch out. One of them, Malachi Starks is a safety. They use him in a variety of ways as a true freshman. Um, Michael Williams, he plays defensive end. He's basically their new Trayvon Walker. He's not obviously as good as the number one overall draft pick yet, but I'll tell you this much: that kid's almost as refined. As Trayvon is right now, I mean, in terms of his skill set, his like his mental acumen of football, and what he does on the football field, being in the right place at the right time, he's got it as a true freshman. The two linebackers, dude, Sunday guys, like Jamon J- Dumas Johnson, he is Nakobe Dean. He's Nakobe Dean like he's ninety percent Nakobe Dean right now. I think And might be a better physical like football player, height, weight, speed, just slightly better smile Mondon, he is quay walker he is channing tyndall mixed together so the guys that have been giving you hell forever they they got ones that are just like them here's the difference that georgia does not have and i don't know if anyone's going to give them problems i think they might be too talented around this issue or lack thereof or lack thereof this thing that they might not have might not be an issue they don't have a jordan davis they don't have a jordan davis on the roster They have a Jordan Davis that they think might be this type of guy in Jamal Jarrett coming in in a couple of years. They wanted Xavier McLeod, and they're still chasing him. Okay. So these six foot five and beyond, 330 plus pound and beyond football players, Georgia doesn't have one of those ready to rock right now. Zion Logue, they're trying. Nazir Stackhouse, they're trying. They ain't a hill of beans compared to what Jordan Davis was. But yeah, they got all the other flash players. In terms of talent, you're still going to be like, holy hell. I know you only know Jalen Carter now, but they got six or seven first rounders on on that defense right now, hanging around. They definitely do.
0: Right. Well, that's definitely uh, something that the Gamecock fans are going to have to watch this upcoming Saturday against the Georgia Bulldogs when we take the field. So we've talked about y'all's defense a little bit. Let's move on to the offense now, because, uh, just a few years ago, Georgia was known as a team that would just run the football and try to wear you down over the course of 60 minutes in a football game. And when I watched y'all's game back against the Oregon Ducks, I had never seen the Georgia Bulldogs line up in the shotgun more than I saw in that one game. And y'all threw the ball a decent amount. Now, of course, I know you guys brought in Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator before the 2020 season started. So, Brooks, how much do you think he has changed the offensive philosophy and sort of helped Georgia, I guess maybe not advance, but sort of become more balanced on that side of the ball since he's arrived there?
1: So it's been a kind of a, a slow, not like a slow change. It wasn't like overnight. Let's put it that way. Like in 2020, his first real, like, full season Still had games where they went to Kentucky and ran it 49 times and won a game 14 to 3. It was ugly as hell. I mean, ugly as hell to watch that football game as Georgia winning the way Georgia had won, and the way everyone thinks about Georgia, right? Pound it, take the air out of the ball, play suffocating defense, rush for 250, get out of there with the other team just absolutely bludgeoned from a, a physical brooding game, right? That has popped up on the Georgia roster and the Georgia game like tallies for years. Okay, well, last year they didn't they didn't really have one of those, though I will say that they occasionally had games where they didn't look great offensively. Right. Florida, I don't think they looked great offensively last year. They struggled for a good portion of that football game. Right. Alabama, they did not look great offensively in the SEC championship game. They haven't had duds. Every once in a while offensively over the last couple of years, the difference is now in year three, they've got the full termination or full terminology rather of the offense, and they have a quarterback in Stetson who can do all the things that make Munkin's offense difficult to play defense against. And here's an example of this Andrew. Georgia doesn't run 75 snaps a game like most teams that throw the ball 35 37 times a game, right Most teams that are doing that they play really really fast, they, they play with a lot of tempo right and and they they rush to the ball they snap it they're running a lot you know chunk and gun right fun and gun type of air raid offense georgia is selective with their pace they will jump on the ball after explosives they will jump on the ball after sudden change they will jump on the ball occasionally every other time they're playing slow playing check with me offense scattering to a different formation and now because the terminology of the offense is so in depth and they've the year 3 under munkin they can add in wrinkles like late motion that cause defenses to go, what in the hell are we doing? The same stuff that freaks people out in the NFL that the the, the Rams are doing and the Niners are doing, where it's like, holy hell, how'd that, get, how'd that, how'd that guy get wide open? Or why is that hole that big? Well, they're, they're doing all of these things now at Georgia. And it's it's been much more of a – you ask how the philosophy has changed. I think Georgia has always wanted to be a modern offense. They know. They know that teams are, are, are counter-recruiting them at the position they know that when oscar Delp was getting recruited by south carolina guess what they were telling him look what we did with uh old big boy number nine what's that what's that joker's name jake muse yeah look what we did with jake muse what you think we're gonna do with you oscar Delp? like yeah other teams do this stuff to the university of georgia and i think kirby being the recruiter that he is has finally just got fed up with the stuff he's like no dude like we can still recruit backs that look like Kenny McIntosh. We can still recruit backs that look like Kendall Milton throwing it 35 times a game. We can still do all that. Ohio State still signs Trayvon Henderson. They beat us out for Trayvon Henderson every time we go up there into the north. They can still recruit backs. Why can't we chunk it and recruit backs? I think that's the philosophy that only comes with having a stable offensive mind like Todd Munkin in the building. It's really the first one he's had. I compare Munkin's tenure at Georgia very, very similar to Sarkeesian's at Bama. Sarkeesian at Bama taught them what it is that they are supposed to do offensively. Bill O'Brien hasn't changed much. In fact, when Bill O'Brien came in, the rules were, you run what we run. You learn the term- terminology that we do. Whoever takes over for Munkin when he, when he eventually leaves Georgia, which I think he will, they'll have to convert to what Georgia does. That was a long-winded answer. But I, I, I think, you know, culture changes and shifts they take three or four years in college football. I do believe that. You have to turn over the roster, most importantly. Got to get Jimmy's and Joe's in, dude. Like, we we could draw up X's and O's on the board all day, but if we ain't got the guys to win, it don't friggin' matter. Okay, so you got to be able to recruit your butt off, and you got to be able to coach your butt off on Saturdays in game time, critical situations. And that only comes through experience and time.
0: Right, absolutely. And, of course, you know, like you mentioned, obviously – guys want to play in a fun offense. They want to play in an offense where they feel like their abilities are going to get utilized to their full potential. And it seems like that that's something that Georgia, like you mentioned, has really prioritized over the last couple of years with Todd Munkin at your offensive coordinator spot. So, you mentioned Stetson Bennett briefly. Now, obviously, it seems like that he has been in college for ten years now. But six. he's six, right. <laughs> but but coach. he is right. But he is finally starting to get some of that respect that you would expect a national championship winning quarterback to get. But the thing is, whenever Stetson Bennett is talked about in the media, no one really ever seems to talk about what makes him so good. Besides the fact, obviously, that he's got all the experience that he has as a college football quarterback. So, Brooks, what are the qualities that make Stetson Bennett such a good quarterback and the guy for the Georgia Bulldogs?
1: The crazy thing is, if you watch Stetson, Bro, he's he's got he's got juice. He's got NFL traits. I know he's not 6'3. I get that. I know he's not 220 pounds. I get it. He's five, he's five 180 pounds, soaking wet. I know, you know, we all see that. Let's put that beyond. Okay. But turn on the Sanford tape from last week. He's rolling right on the run, throws a damn piss missile, 45 yards to Lab McConkey coming from the backside. So, like all this stuff that people rave about Rattler for in terms of arm talent. Stetson, I'm not saying he's rattler. Rattler's a one percenter. Okay, I will tell you that right now. Rattler can throw footballs that one percent of human beings that have ever walked the planet can do just from different platforms at different angles. Stetson's like 90% of that. Stetson's really, really talented. Okay. I don't think people understand. Like he is a, a verified laser 455 guy. He might go to the combine and run four, four, eight, folks. Like he is a he is a really, really good athlete. You can turn on the tape and watch him outrunning Aiden Hutchinson and putting him on his face with just a little – like he's got shift to him too. He's got a little wiggle. Okay, so – and all the physical traits aside, I think he's physically gifted. I think he's got Sunday traits. I just explained that to you. But, dude, the – Trent Dillford calls him dude qualities, right? Like walking into a room and just kind of owning it, right? That's a dude quality. Walking into a huddle and making the other 10 guys around you feel more confident. That's a dude quality. Um standing in a, a pocket and getting taken one right off the freaking chin and delivering a shot against Oregon, Justin Flo, right down the cannon, right in your face. It's dude quality. So all the dude qualities that require to be great college football players and great NFL football players, he's got those too. So I think people are w- realizing what it took, like, an observatory eye. Like, you had to watch it. Because even last year, like – he goes to Arkansas. He throws 13 times. Nine for 13, 130 yards, and they beat the dog doo-doo out of Arkansas. Well, he threw a, an average of 20 times per game last year. Yeah, game managed the hell out of every football game because they were beating the hell out of every team. This year, I think they might try to beat the hell out of everybody with him throwing it 30 times. That's what we learned through two weeks. So that I think his his ability is great. He's grown as a football player. Don't get me wrong. But he's he's been the same dude. He's been the same freaky arm talent guy since he was seventeen years old. That's how he got the name Mailman. It was the hat, right? He was wearing the Mailman hat, but it was him going out in camp and people saying, "Who is this five foot seven, curly headed kid from Southeast Georgia that's out here just dotting folks up? Who is this guy?" Well, Stetson Bennett, and he would have the the Bryce Young hype, but I think the Baker Mayfields, the Kyler Murray's, all these guys. They were in the class with Stetson Bennett. Baker Mayfield was underrated because he was small. Kyler Murray's the greatest statistical player in the history of Texas. That's why he was a five-star. But people doubted him, too. Now those guys go number one overall. Bryce Young is not getting not ranked five stars. Spencer Rattler is not not getting ranked five stars. Too talented with his arm. If Stetson Bennett were created today here in the state of Georgia, he'd have power five offers. It might not have been Georgia, but he definitely wouldn't have had to go to Jones Community College or walk on at UGA to start with
0: right and it's crazy brooks because you know georgia has had a bunch of five stars come in before stetson bennett took that job and 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 it it was right exactly and after and it was a walk-on who went to juco i believe his second year and then came back to georgia and that was the guy who helped lead y'all to a national championship win this past year all right brooks i got one more question for you before we head on for today i really appreciate your time once again um I know that a lot of people are calling for this game to get ugly between South Carolina and Georgia, and I will admit myself, I know that it's going to be a tall task at the end of the day for South Carolina to have any real shot in this. But is there a formula to beat the Georgia Bulldogs? Is there something that if potentially exploited in the middle of the game, the game within the game, that could get the Bulldogs in some trouble?
1: 100%. Put, you don't even have, really have to pressure him. You got to make him play skittish. You got to make Stetson Bennett play skittish. You got to make him try to t- like do too much. You got to make him try to do hero ball. The play that made Sports Center top 10 against Oregon, you got to have eight of those. You, you got to have eight plays where Stetson Bennett is running around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to make something happen because a lot of the times he does something he ain't supposed to do. right? He A lot of the times he does stuff that makes Kirby Smart want to freaking pull his hair out. Okay. A lot of the times he makes good plays too, okay. But you got to make him feel like he's got to play hero ball. And The only way you're going to do that is make him feel like he's got to score, which means you got to score with him. If Georgia can walk out and, and just open the script the first three drives and they're up twenty-one to seven, that's it. That is it. They're pulling the rip cord. They're taking the air out of the ball because they can't lean on you. I, I've no, I know that about South Carolina's defensive front. Georgia will can line up tomorrow or Saturday rather and run it 40 times down your throat for an average of four and a half yards a clip. If they want to do it, they can. So you got to make them feel like they, that's not a winnable strategy, right? We can't take the air out of the ball and win because we have to score. And that means you got to score offensively. And I'll tell you what, I was surprised at the amount of times, despite the fact that is the antithesis of what they do defensively, South Carolina got behind Arkansas defensive backs. Guys, they run six DBs all game. They run a three, two, six. They play a, a boatload of zone. Okay, that is designed to keep everybody in front. And here goes Josh Van. <laughs> okay. Now they didn't complete a bunch of them. Don't get me wrong. South Carolina was, I think, three, one for seven on Saturday of, on throws of plus 34 yards. Missed three touchdowns yeah. from Marion Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Plus the the, 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 the two good ones. Okay. Right. So we'll see. Um I I, long story short, the 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 recipe for success to beating Georgia this year is win the turnover battle, and the only way you're going to do that is to force Stetson Bennett into doing, why'd you do that, bro? Why, why'd you throw that ball? Why, why why are you trying to do that? You are not Michael Vick con- you know, combined with Andrew Luck. You're Stetson Bennett. Why are you doing that? If you can do that seven times and force three turnovers out of it, got yourself a ball game. You absolutely got yourself a ball game.
0: Right. And the ironic part, Brooks, is honestly, you know, you say that about Stetson Bennett, you know, the same could be said so far with Spencer Rattler. Of course, he's still trying to, I think, get used to this pro style offense. But if you can rattle, so to speak, either guy in the pocket, then, you know, you can cause those guys to make mistakes. And no matter who you are playing up against, it can always definitely make a ball game. It's, more interesting. it's
1: quarterback one on one, right? You say, hey, get pressure on them. They'll freak out. But these two guys in particular. I mean, you 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 make Spencer Rattler get out of the pocket, he going to do something he ain't supposed to be doing, okay? Because right. he's been told his whole life he can make every throw. By God, on air, he can. But there's other dudes running around the field, so don't do that. Stetson Bennett, too, his whole life he's been told, hey, you're 5'8", you got to go make something magic happen. And he tries to make magic happen too many times every once in a while. So, yeah, I think it's a great point how both of these guys are very, very similar in the sense that what makes them special are the same things that are kind of their kryptonite if they get un, you know, unhinged or start playing on the fringe of control.
0: Absolutely right. Brooks, I can't thank you enough for coming on to today's show. Uh, let the people know what you got going on on Doug's Daily if Gamecock fans want to see sort of what y'all are thinking from Georgia's perspective.
1: So I will tell you this much. It's the best time to follow me as an opposing fan. I know this is crazy. You would think, why would I follow a Georgia beat reporter? Well, here's the deal. After Saturday, we're going to spend the next week watching nothing but Saturday's tape. So it'll be all South Carolina stuff. So if you want to see what went right, what went wrong, hit me up on Twitter. We'll probably be tweeting about it, okay? At Brooks Austin BA, it's on the uh, link right here. If you're watching on YouTube, um, if you're listening to us on the audio, yeah, it's at Brooks Austin Austin BA on Twitter. um, And it's all one-stop shop right there. Everything that I do, you'll find on the TL. Andrew, bro, appreciate you, man.
0: Thank you once again, Brooks. Once again, I can't thank Brooks Austin enough for joining me on today's show to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs and their upcoming matchup with the South Carolina Gamecocks. So I hope that you all got some more insight into what the Bulldogs are going to be bringing to the field on Saturday. What are your thoughts on what he had to say? How do you feel about Georgia's offense? What do you think about some of the players that Brooks mentioned in their linebacker core? And also, what is something that you think could be exploited on Georgia's team that maybe Brooks did not mention in our interview today? I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts as always down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube and of course, if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app wherever you get your podcast daily. You can also feel free to shoot me a message at a Lion underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And also, if you've enjoyed the Locked On Gamecocks podcast and you want to get more news on the entire SEC conference, go check out Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast, where he talks with all the local team experts of Locked On that cover the SEC teams, and he gets you through all the league's news in just a minute. 30 minutes so again be sure to make locked on sec your second listen after of course the locked on game cox podcast but once again y'all that does it for me on today's show i hope that y'all have a great rest of your thursday and i'll catch y'all on the next show of the locked on game cox podcast